Well, hey, hey. Uh, so good to be in his presence, isn't it? Just to experience God in worship. Let's give our team a hand and just thank them for yeah, what they do. Um, we are so glad you're here, whether you're online or in person. Today is Valentine's Day, and it's a day where we're looking at what's love got to do with it. And uh, if you're online, you can drop an emoji in there, a heart, whatever that is for you so our host knows you're there. Uh, if you're here in person, uh, there is no doubt if we ask, ask the question, what's love got to do with it, uh, that, that there's quite a bit today in our world that says, yeah, there's, there's a lot of love that is being shared. In fact, a ton of money is being spent today. Apparently, love has a lot to say today in different ways. We are spending as a country 20 over $21 billion today on this holiday. That's a ton of money, right? And you think about, okay, what is that going for? And how is that playing out with cards and, and candy and movies and music and dinners and dates and all of these things? And, and so then uh, within that, the average couple, okay, if you're here and you're, you haven't spent money yet, you're like me. Uh, my wife, we've been married 19 years. She got me today. It was waiting there in the kitchen. And I was like, oh, yours will be ready later. <laughs> Love you, honey. It is not a reflection of my heart for you. It's the reflection of 19 years of, I should have learned by now, right? And so anyway, the average couple, believe it or not, in our country is going to spend about $150 per person which for some of you may seem like a lot. For some of you, it doesn't seem like much. But the reality is there is a lot that is going on today around this idea of love. And, and I think it is so important that we as the church of Jesus Christ ask the question, what, what does love have to do with it? And let me just like start by saying just about everything. Just about everything. That in fact, in 1 John 4, we see that God is love. That in John 3, we see that Jesus came out of his great love for us. That, that he actually laid down his life out of that love. That in addition to that, Jesus said in John 13, that we would be known by our love for one another. And do you know the Apostle Paul knew that it, it, it mattered so much about love? That in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, hey, if you do anything apart from love, it doesn't matter. It's worthless. It's like just a noisemaker, right? Love has everything to do with what God is about, about who he is, about what he has for our lives. And as we lean into this today, and as we look at it, we are in a series called This Is Pathway. And we are looking at what is our mission? Who are we as a church? How do we do this well for where God wants to take us? And we're going to look at one of the most famous stories, not just in the Bible, but in literature in general. Very well-known story. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And uh, as we turn to Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at something Jesus shared. Now, to set this up, I want to give you a little bit of context, okay? So, so as we turn to Luke chapter 10 and pick up this story that Jesus told, at the beginning of Luke 10, Jesus is saying to his disciples, remember last week we talked about what is a disciple? It's a committed Christ follower, somebody who's a student of Jesus. And so he's talking to those people and he tells them, listen, there is a harvest. There is a harvest all around you. You could almost think of him saying, hey, 
There is a world desperately in need of love. So much so that they'll spend 21 billion because they're looking for love. And Jesus is saying, listen, there is a harvest. There are all of these people to be reached. He sends his disciples out and they experience God's power and authority and they come back with stories. And as they come back with stories, part of what Jesus was getting at is, listen, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. That he's looking for people that are willing to take that message and share it and be that love in our world. Now, Pathway, I want to tell you, it's happening. Did you notice? The lights are on. Come on. We have at least two people that we know received Jesus in the last week. And if you're new or wondering what's that about, back here on our Welcome Home stage prop, when those lights are on, that means somebody, at least one in the last week, received Jesus. And we had two this week that I'm aware of. So, so awesome. So Jesus is saying, listen, there's a harvest. And and the question then becomes, what are our intentions? What are our intentions? I have three daughters, and I guarantee you that if any guy shows up around our house, guess what I'm doing? I ain't your pastor for a minute. I'm dad, and dad wants to know what is your intention. No joke, this happened to me. Uh, I, I, uh, growing up, um, about 16, 17, uh, actually my first serious girlfriend was my wife, is my wife. Like that's a little bit of my story there. Uh, some of that was cause often the people that I liked didn't necessarily like me. You ever been there? Okay. So Valentine's wasn't always like my favorite holiday. Um, and so I can remember going to this first, uh, one of my f- very first and few dates. And, and so I go to this uh, house and I grew up in, in Michigan and, and I get there and I literally started to laugh, which was the wrong move because the, the dad was at the table cleaning a gun. And, and I thought he was like playing with me, like just joking around. And he looked at me and he's like, nah, there is no joke in here. Sit down. I want to know what your intentions are. And I was like, um, to do whatever you say in the next moment, like whatever you want, whatever you need, she'll be home early, blah, blah, blah. I never actually took that girl out on another date after that night. Uh, but I'll never forget like this intentions thing. And intentions matter significantly. And I want you to see this as we head into this story and, and as we look at what our intentions are here at Pathway. So we're gonna pick up in verse 25. Jesus has been teaching He's been sharing. We know that because this gentleman will stand up. And often in that context, just like today, people would sit as the teacher was sharing. So as behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Now I'm gonna jump ahead to verse 29. But he, this is the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay? The intention here that is happening with this lawyer needs to be called out and seen. You see, what he was doing was in two parts. One, he was putting Jesus to the test. And actually, in the original language, what that's talking about is actually trying to trap Jesus 
and destroy him. That was the intention of this lawyer. You, you see, in that day and age, the Pharisees had actually taken God's law and added to it about 6,000 times. That in fact, they had 6,000 laws that were used to interpret and, and to apply God's original law. And so what he was doing as a lawyer, as an expert in that law, was trying to trap Jesus, trying to place Jesus in a place where he could, as the original language implies, destroy or undermine what he was saying. Now, jumping back to verse 29, what is happening there is he immediately reveals his heart's intent to justify himself. And so as he hears and sums up, he's trying to again prove that he is right. And I want us to be clear here, Jesus is the only one that can justify us. Jesus is the one who is our justification. And sometimes we can come to God trying to prove that we're right when God is saying, I'm the one who's right, get in alignment with me. Are you tracking with me? And so these are the intentions that are unfolding here as we look at this. What are our intentions as Pathway Church? What is our mission and what we hope to see God do? It's based on what happened next in the story. Let me put it up for you. This is our mission uh, for the foreseeable future. This is what we believe God has called us to, to love God and love all people in our pathway. Can you say that with me? Love God and love all people in our pathway. Here's where it comes from. Let's take a look. Verse 27, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus says to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. So his response is that we're to love God and love our neighbor, love God with all of who we are. In fact, if we're looking at this, we're going to break it down into two parts today. The first part is the loving God. What does it mean to love God in the way that Jesus is getting at here? To, to love him with all of who we are, our mind, our soul, our strength. I want you to think about this for a minute because it matters today. You see, when we get in to conversations about God's love, sometimes we're in this faulty paradigm or view that we think somehow there's something we can do to earn more of it. That in fact, it's our behaviors that justify God loving us. And according to scripture, that's entirely backwards. That in fact, God loves us and initiates with his love the relationship with us. That, that he looks at us in all of our messiness in all of our faults and flaws and in all of the things that, that are a part of the real life that we live in. And he says, hey, I see you and I get it. There is nothing you're going to be able to do to earn more of my love than what I have for you in this moment. Think about that for a minute. How freeing is that? That God actually in, in, in the form of Jesus stepped into our world out of his unmerited favor, his grace, 
his unconditional love, that he loves us so much that there's nothing more we can do to earn it or to receive it or to achieve it. We just need to be open to it. Come on, church, that's really good news. I have four children, as I mentioned, and uh, with the first uh, child, who will go nameless, um, lo- love her. And uh, one of the things God, I can remember like when you, like with your first child, do you have any other like hover parents in the room? Okay. Like, did you know, like there's not just a hover parent thing now, like there's, uh, there's a term lawnmower parent where you're not just like hovering, but like you're clearing the way for them. Okay. Um, I, I today am more of a cover parent. Like I'll, I'll show up, at, you know, like I'm there, but I'm going to let you learn some stuff. And so some of you are like, oh my, oh my. But with our first, I'm figuring it all out. And I, I was a little bit hover and I'm trying to like navigate. How do I communicate to my three, four-year-old how I feel about her? Okay. And I can remember I started this thing. I love you as big as me. I love you as big as me, okay? You're supposed to say, aw. Man. Y'all, we gotta figure this out. That was a perfect moment for you to like win my heart. Aw. So, so I can remember it was like, I love you as big as me. There we go. And, and what I was trying to communicate, and I think, I think she understood was, was wow, he's, he's big. And if he loves me that big, right? Like, I, I, can, I can feel that. I can receive that. And this is what I think we're supposed to, to hear and receive from God is he loves you as big as his son, Jesus. As big as he is. So much so that he laid down his life for us. And so that is the starting point It's not, I'm going to manufacture a love for God. It's I'm receiving the love that God already has. And that love is so big, it invades every aspect of our life. That it actually begins to encompass all of who we are. And here's the thing. When when Jesus is sharing this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, immediately this expert in the law is thinking back to the law. You see, he was an expert in the first five books of the Old Testament. They were known as the Pentateuch or the Torah. It was God's law. And so in Deuteronomy, we're going to go there for a minute. I want to show you this because this is no doubt what this lawyer would have thought about. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. This was repeated in a faithful Jewish home at that day and age at least twice a day. It was something that would remind them, the Shema was the name for it, of of who God was 
meaning to be in their life. That it was this all-encompassing love that because God loved him, we're loving God with all of us. Now think about your life and your last week. Is God and his love showing up on your doorpost, in your daily routine, in the morning, in the night, at work and at home, in relationships, in your neighborhood, at your school? Is God's love showing up? Yeah, I wouldn't want to answer it right now either, right? But this is what it's getting at, is that God's love is so big it can't be contained. And that in fact, it, does, it isn't just here on a Sunday in a service. It's something where we're loving God in all of life. And God is there and present and moving. That's exciting to think about because it really becomes a game changer as we begin to look for God in those spaces. It's really this idea that God is present in all of life, that he wants our whole life, that his love is big enough to handle it and to move through it. And then from there, it moves to loving our neighbor. What does it look like to love all people in our pathway? Let's look at what Jesus said and what happened next. It said in verse 20. Nine, and as I read earlier, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with this incredibly well-known story that I hope speaks to us. In fact, I'm gonna just pray right now because my hope is that the familiarity of this story does not cause us to miss what God might wanna say fresh today, Amen. So Jesus, as we lean into this, I just ask, Holy Spirit, for you to open our eyes and minds, our hearts, to be able to hear and receive all that you have for us through your word. May it go forth to accomplish the purpose for which you are sending it. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said. So he asked the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go, you go and do likewise. All right, as we look at this and what loving our neighbor means, it means loving all people in our pathway. And uh, we're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to do a little work. You ready? Okay. I'm just getting too hot up here. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I'm going to take this off. And and so in loving our neighbor, what Jesus shares is this story. And, And what's happening here is he brings up this road to Jericho. This road was about roughly 18 miles. It was a road that 
include diff, included difficult terrain, you know, one lane, one track kind of spaces. On it, there was often known areas that where harm would happen to people, where it was known as like the bloody way, because people would actually, robbers, thieves, would take advantage of others knowing that there, there was a space here where they were vulnerable. Now, this was under a, a period of time where the Roman Empire was ruling, and so Romans had set up a fort, a garrison, a place to help protect people on that pathway. But 18 miles is a long stretch. And so what you have is a moment where Jesus is sharing about somebody who had actually been beaten and robbed, and he begins to unpack that. And he does it in a profound way. He begins with the priest. And so you can picture that, that if this table represents the man and he's down on the ground, that when the priest is passing by on the road to Jericho, which was, again, was about 18 miles and it was about a half mile of elevation, uh, which by the way, it is so flat in Florida. It's really quite amazing, but it's also exhausting on a bike. I, I cycle for fitness and stuff. And so it's so funny. I'll share on an app about my rides and people where I'm from up in Michigan are like seven feet of elevation in 12 miles. I'm like, yeah, it's really flat here. Okay. And, and so I just want you to see like in this story, this would have been not just a long distance, but a half mile change in some of what was happening there more elevation than we see if you ride our bridges around here, okay? Now, with this, you have the priest who walks around and, and sees but walks around, okay? This is the religious leader that in many ways, it may have been a moment where he was expecting to see the religious leader, the priest, love his neighbor. But that wasn't how the story went. So then the next person, the Levite, is the assistant to the priest. And so the assistant, you would think, okay, he gets a little bit closer. He looks a little closer from what we can tell in the story. But again, he walks around and keeps going. Now at this point, can you imagine? This lawyer is thinking, okay, priest, Levite, next has got to be a lay person. Somebody who represents us. And that's exactly the opposite of what happens. That in fact, there is shock and awe. Did anybody like a good story and a twist in that story? Okay, me too. And this is one of those moments where there is a twist in the story. And he says, a Samaritan. Now it's interesting, he doesn't call him good. We've later said the good Samaritan. What he actually says is the Samaritan sees him he moves close to him, and he does everything he can do to help him as an example of what it means to love our neighbor. For these ears that would hear it in that moment, the Pharisee and the others around Jesus, this would have been shocking because those from Samaria, the Samaritans, were considered a despised group that we don't associate with them, that nothing good could come out of them. And yet in Jesus' story, that's the hero he points to. Is here's somebody that showed love and compassion and mercy to somebody who was in their pathway. 
Now for us as a church, this has a lot of implications because we want to love everyone in our pathway that's within the reach of the church on a weekend or during the week. Amen? We also want to begin to adopt the posture that God is filling each of us with his love and that wherever we go during the week, God's love is meant to overflow out of us. It's meant to flow through us. It's meant to see our neighbor in our pathway and show them the love of Jesus. You didn't know it was going to affect you during the week, did you? So compassion, what is it? Let me read a definition here for you. Mercy and compassion, the compassion that we're seeing in this story, denotes care, concerned, and empathetic feeling for another person. In the Bible, mercy and compassion are most perfectly demonstrated and characterized by God's own merciful and loving care for his people, and in particular by the gift of mercy through Jesus Christ. It's interesting that as somebody who's been, you know, ordained, been through grad school, has a lot of education from seminaries, I don't remember a class on the art of neighboring. I don't remember a class that actually dug into the second commandment. Because let's not lose sight of what we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus' summary of all of the law. And the lawyer himself, who had 6,000 interpretations of that, backing him in that room with the Pharisees, when it was summed up as love God and love your neighbor, he actually agreed with it. He actually was saying that this is what I see. And so think about this. We do a fabulous job in churches and seminaries at talking about what does it mean to love God. But we need to be equally fabulous at talking about what does it look like to show that love to our neighbors. Can I get an amen, church? Like, seriously, to say, yes, this is what it could look like. And let me just tell you that love leads to compassion. That, that actually compassion in action is love in action. And I want to just give you three things you can grab on to, the, to today to say, okay, if I'm going to love all people in my pathway, what did we see in the story and what would that look like? The first is to see, to actually see. Now, this is an interesting one to think about because to see means that we're paying attention and we're willing to recognize the neighbors around us that God may have placed in our pathway. We live a very hurried life in modern society. And sometimes we're moving too fast or we're, and we're not even seeing those that are in front of us. We can reduce them to a job, to a teller, to a clerk, to somebody at the gas station and miss their humanity. That, that actually, it was... Interesting, last night we were, I was walking through the neighborhood uh, with, with our family, and as we're walking, I just happened to glance around, and I saw 75% of those that I could see in that moment outside in my neighborhood doing this. Okay? Now, I'll be honest, driving around Vero, I've seen some of you driving doing this. Okay? It's a little scary. Maybe 
these are getting in the way of us seeing all people in our pathway. Maybe if we tuck these away, which we should anyway if we're driving, (laughs) but if we actually begin to see the people around us, God would begin to open our eyes to the very spaces and places that he wants to invite us into adventure to show his love to someone. So we see. The second is we move closer. And this is what the Samaritan did so well, is he moved close to understand what was happening. You know, to some degree, we don't know if the man, he may have thought the man may have already died. Like, we don't know, we can assess from a distance, but do we really know the story? Do we really know what the need is until we draw close? We don't. And so we have to be willing to move closer to get to know people. I want to tell you back, um, it's hard to believe now, this was in college more than 20 years ago. I attended my, my undergrad was in a public university. And, and so I signed up, I was in Michigan and I signed up for alternative spring break where you would go and volunteer and serve. The cost back then was $150 to, to volunteer and serve. And y'all, I hit the lottery. I got Key West. Everybody else that signed up that year was all over the North and the Midwest and the East Coast. And for some reason, they sent one group of us to Key West. Now, there's two things that impacted me on that trip beyond some other stories, okay? That were all pure, okay? I was following Jesus at the time. This was not that kind of spring break. I feel so judged, but, but there was a couple of things that impacted me on this trip. One was I fell in love with Florida. No joke, more than 20 years ago, I was ready to move here. God just wasn't getting, he wasn't done getting me ready to be here, okay? The second thing was that we were actually doing some work in Key West and then had a break. And so we're down in, in an area that's pretty busy and there's panhandlers kind of all over the place. You know, some of them are performing, some aren't. And so there was this particular one that, that I decided I'm going to sit down next to them and I'm going to move closer and I'm going to try to understand what got them here. What's their story? And I got to tell you, more than 20 years ago, that moment impacted me so significantly because everything I had preconceived and thought I knew about that person was entirely wrong. It's their story to tell, not mine. But I can tell you, I learned something in that moment, that everyone has a story. And that if we move closer, we learn what it is and we begin to see our common humanity. We also, as in the story of this neighbor, this person that was robbed and left for dead, we understand what their needs are. And what I love in the story is the, the Samaritan does everything he can, provide all you can. And this is the thing, when we're loving our neighbor, sometimes our excuse can be, well, I, I, I can't, I, I don't have enough time or I can't do everything or I can't fully get them to where they need to go. Nobody's saying that's your job. In fact, according to this story, the Samaritan did his part. And when we do our part, God does the rest. Come on, church. And so in this moment, what he does is he cares for him. He bandages him, he, he, 
puts some, what we can tell from, you know, some medical care there. He loads him on, on you know, whatever his vehicle was, right? He, he lays, gets him to where he is safe. And then he goes further because he had the ability to. The two denarii, or denarii, you know what that is? It's two days of wages, which if you calculate in that economy what that might have meant, that likely would have covered 30 to 60 days of his expenses. Now, is that a lifetime? No, but it's enough to make sure that he could get moving and on his feet again. He did whatever he could. I just wonder if we could look at our community, our church through new lenses to say, God, we want to love you. And as your love in, in, is coming into our lives, we want to love people around us. We want to see them again with fresh eyes. We want to move closer. And as we move closer, we're not going to be overwhelmed because the big job is your job. I'm going to just do what I can. Come on, church. There is an adventure unfolding as we look at and as we live into this. It's an invitation. And this is what I see here in this text and where I want to kind of close is an invitation. You know, at Valentine's Day, I had mentioned earlier, I didn't get a lot of invitations growing up. I gave out, but I didn't always get back, okay? I don't need you to feel bad for me. I, I'm married way up, okay? Like, y'all, I'm good. God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. Can you tell none of this is planned or scripted? And she's thinking, don't humor him. <laughs> but but I, I didn't receive a lot of invitations. And here's what I see. I, I really believe that Jesus is giving us an invitation. That that invitation is to understand that even in this story, there is something God is doing to try to invite you back in and deeper to, into his love. You see, the, the reality is, all of scripture is meant to point us to Jesus. And it, it provides an invitation. This is a conversation around the law. Look at what Galatians 3.24 says. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. That word guardian has also been translated tutor. That actually the law, loving God and loving people, was a our tutor to point us towards our need for Jesus. That we can't actually do this fully without Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Jesus is the intent and our invitation today. To live and to love like Jesus is an opportunity. It's a gift. And so three questions for you to consider today as you think about your next steps. The first one is this. How will you accept Jesus' invitation 
to receive his love and mercy for you today? What does it look like for you to just sit back and realize that what's love got to do with it? Everything. And Jesus is everything. He is over everything. He's available in everything. His love and mercy is ready for you today. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this could be your greatest Valentine's Day ever. By hearing his invitation to you, he wrote a Valentine for you on the cross. He said, I love you this much. Enough to die for you, enough to invite you into life with him. His mercy is available. Secondly, what steps do you need to take to begin growing in your love for God? Just like we read about, how how are you going to include God in every area of your life, throughout your day, throughout your week, where your love for God is what is motivating and driving your your workday, your leisure, your recreation, your studies as a student? What steps do you need to take to begin growing in that kind of love. And then thirdly, how will you show compassion to the neighbors in your pathway this week? How will you see them move closer and do what you can? My hope is as we walk into this invitation, we are gonna have stories emerging all around us of what God is doing, of faith that is coming alive, people that are coming alive and saying, I never knew how good his love was that we become on fire in our faith. And that in that, we then share that with anyone God puts in our pathway. Church, there are great days ahead as we accept his invitation. And so I'm gonna encourage you to stand. You're at home watching, be safe. You're driving a car, don't stand right now. And I just wanna pray over us. And then we're going into a song and a time to respond. And I hope that whether it's coming to the altars for prayer, whether it's singing from a heart that is alive, that we will allow God into this space right now and respond to him. This isn't a concert. Church is an invitation to participate. Amen? Father, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. The invitation to love you and to love our neighbor. Father, we are so excited about what is ahead. May your love and mercy meet us in this moment. As we praise and worship you, we invite your presence. God, may we let go of anything that we need to. May we see you and see our neighbor in new ways. May we move closer to you and closer to our neighbor. And may we do all that you have purposed in our hearts with your love to do. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's praise and worship him together.
Jesus, I am yours. I'm yours. I am yours. I am yours. All my days, Jesus, I am yours. You've been so, so good to me. so, so good to me. Just to think where I would be, if not, if not for you, if not for you. You've been so good. Sing it. You've been so, so good to me. so, so good to me just to think where I would be if not for you if not for you Amen God, you are so so good. And I thank you for just the sweet spirit in this worship right now. We give you all the praise and all the glory. God, I pray that as we have tasted and seen that you are good today, as we've heard the invitation, the, even the reality that you love us first, God, may we receive your love and love you in new ways this week. God, help us to see our neighbors, everyone in our pathway. May we love them like you love them. God, thank you for the stories that you are writing, the adventure that you are inviting us on. We just thank you for your hand. We pray that when we ask the question a year from now, what's love got to do with it, we'll be able to say, that love is Jesus and look at what he has done. It's got everything to do with what we're about. Thank you, Lord. Be with us as we prepare to go. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen. Before you run out, let me give you a couple of things. If you're online, let our hosts know so they can connect with you. Here in this room, if you're a visitor and you head out those doors to our Welcome Center, we want to show you a little of that pathway love and welcome you, and so you can go that way. Those of you that are ready to worship through tithe and offerings as a part of your giving, uh, you can do that in the boxes there or online as well, or through text to give. I just want to encourage you, let's live this this week, amen? Let's love God and love all people in our pathway. Have a great week. If you need prayer, we'll stay up here and available. Otherwise, go now and be the church.